Well, good morning, everybody. Was that not just awesome? I'm telling you, I'll tell you, that was incredible. I'm, I'm praying, Jesus, come get me right now. I guarantee you, I guarantee you. I want to welcome you, and I'll welcome everybody who's watching online. And, uh, and I just want to say, I am so glad you're here this morning. This morning, we are going to finish our series in our series of I Can Only Imagine. And today, we're going to talk about the path to heaven. And so, I just want to say to everyone in here, those who are watching online, that today may be your day. If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, not that you don't like him, but maybe you've just been waiting and you haven't made a decision. Maybe you're at home and you're sitting at your kitchen table or maybe you're in bed watching whatever. I just want you to know that today is a day that I believe that Jesus is going to ask you for a response. But before we do that, let's have a little fun, okay? All right. So, question for you. How many of you people use the Maps app pretty regularly? Raise your hand. Okay. Most of you do, okay? Now, here's the second question. How many of you trust the Maps app? Raise your hand. Okay? So, let me ask you this. Have you ever had a time in your life when you punch in an address and then you're going, you're following the Maps app, and all of a sudden, the Maps app says to you, destination, you've arrived at your destination, and you look out the window, and it's like you're out in the middle of nowhere. Have you ever experienced that before? I experienced it this last week. Punched it in right here in Wichita, and I ended up, and I go, this is not where I'm supposed to be. But one of the things that I think that we would all have to agree on is that the most important thing about using our maps address, we got to make sure we put in the right direction, or excuse me, the right address, right? I can remember even before the maps hat when there was just the GPS, and as you were driving, if you were going down the wrong road, it would simply say, recalculating, recalculating. Remember those days? I used to drive around in the roundabout just to hear the thing saying, recalculating, recalculating, recalculating. But here's the thing I want to ask you. So what's the purpose of the maps app? The purpose of the Maps app is to get you to your destination by the fastest route, right? But once again, the key is you've got to put in the right address. You see, the key is is you've got to make sure you're on the right path, right? Here's one of the things I've learned about Maps app. I'll put in my my number or the address and I'm going to it and it'll be telling me how to get to where I'm going, and all of a sudden, another route appears, and it's a faster route. Maybe there's, maybe there's traffic, or maybe there's an accident ahead, and so it'll give me a different route. But the thing that I have to do is I have to choose that other route, right? On the Maps app, there are always many different paths that you can travel to your destination. I want you to know, my dear friends in Christ, is that the Bible is our maps app. But the Bible's not going to get you to heaven. The Bible is just going to make sure you are on the right path. And in this world, the world tells us that there are many paths to our destination. And what's our destination? Our destination is heaven. But the Bible says, don't believe the world. There's only one path to heaven, 
And my goal today is that we can all say before we leave, we are on the right path to heaven. Amen? Amen. Stand with me out of respect for God's word. As I read from the book of Matthew, this is Matthew chapter 7, and I'm going to read verses 13 and 14. Here we go. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. This is God's word for God's people. Let's pray together. Father, I want to make sure that I'm on the right path. So may your word light my way so that I cannot be deceived. And I pray this believing in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, I want to remind you of something that we've kind of been talking about during this time as we've been going through this 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 series, I Can Only Imagine, and I want to remind you of something that I've said. The Bible doesn't always tell us everything that we want to know, right? But the Bible does tell us what we need to know. And so in these last few weeks, we've learned that the Bible doesn't tell us everything that we want to know about the questions about heaven. However, we also learned that the Bible tells us everything that we need to know about how to get to heaven. For example, the Bible tells us that we are saved by grace through faith. So salvation comes by faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible also tells us that there is one mediator between God and man, and it's the man, Jesus Christ. In John 14, Jesus says, no one comes to the Father except by me. The Bible tells us that there is salvation in no other man except the man Jesus Christ. Salvation comes through faith, and faith comes by hearing the Word of God, someone telling the gospel of Jesus, the good news, Romans chapter 10. Those, my friends, are the non-negotiables. That is everything that you need to know to make sure that you are on the right path to heaven. Now, in the scripture verse that I just read a few minutes ago, I want you to know the setting of where this is taking place. It's at the Sermon on the Mount. I've been able to be there. It's a a beautiful valley. There's a a place called, called the Church of the Beatitudes there. But Jesus is now there, and he has just given the most incredible sermon. They've heard it from the most incredible speaker, and now he comes to the end of his sermon, and he speaks those words that I just shared with you. The people that are there are the Jews. Remember, the Bible tells us that salvation came first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. So Jesus is now preaching to the Jews, and he now comes to the end of his message, and this is what he says. He says, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for you to give a response. He tells them, he says, y'all need to make up your minds. 
And what I just want to say to you is that every time Jesus speaks, he always demands a response. So, a response to what, Pastor Bob? You see, Jesus has just been teaching the people about the contrast, the difference between true and false religions. And Jesus now tells them, you all need to make a choice. You see, the Bible tells us that there are two kinds of religions or two kinds of paths. And Jesus tells us that one of those paths leads to heaven, and obviously the other paths do not lead to heaven. But Jesus wants all of us to know this. The true religion is, comes to us in one form, and the form that it comes to us is this. It's all based on the work of Jesus Christ. False religions come in many forms. So here's what Jesus is telling us, and this is what he's telling the people. He's saying, you've got a true religion, you've got a false religion. The true religion is based on the work of Jesus. We call this divine accomplishment. But then you have the false religions, and we call this religions by human achievement. You see, Jesus is giving us a hint as to what the problem was. And the problem was this. The people of that day were practicing false religion. You see, they believed that there was something that they could do to earn their way into the presence of God. That was the problem. And that's why Jesus is having this conversation with them at the sermon on the mount. Now I want you to think about this for a minute. The people are practicing this human achievement religion. They're not practicing the true religion of the Old Testament that they were taught. Well, what was that true religion? That true religion was this. You need to recognize your sin. You need to mourn over that sin and understand that there's nothing you can do about that sin, and then you need to throw yourself on the mercy of God. That's the true religion of the Old Testament. But that's not what the people were practicing. The people believed that they could earn their way, that there were things that they could do to get into God's good graces and thus deserve eternal salvation. Look at this scripture verse here. As far as the gospel is concerned, they are enemies for your sake. I want you to understand what is taking place here. The Bible is telling us that there are only two kinds of people in the world. Those who believe the gospel, they are friends of Jesus, and those who do not believe the gospel, the Bible tells us they are enemies of Jesus. They are enemies of the gospel. So I just want to pause for a moment, and I want to ask you, where are you in your walk with Jesus Christ? Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're on the right path that leads to heaven? Because all of the Jewish people believed they were on the right path. But Jesus is telling them, you're wrong. 
You see, your right path is you think that you've done something to where you can deserve what my Father has done for you. And Jesus is telling you, that ain't true. Listen to how he puts it. Whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. So let me just ask you this question. Maybe you're sitting in here this morning and you just haven't made a decision. You've heard about Jesus. You've seen churches. You know pastors. You know Christians. And you know what? Just hadn't done anything for you. You're not really against him, but you know what? You just haven't made a decision about that. Jesus is saying to you today, today's your day where you need to make a decision because it's important that you are on the right path. I want you to think about something. Let's go back to the Sermon on the Mount. Early on in Jesus' ministry, maybe what some of you have forgotten is this. Right after a couple of his first miracles, Jesus went to visit the temple. Did you know that? And when he was at the temple, he went in and he turned over the tables. He kicked the people out. And the reason that he did that, you know why he did that? Because they were practicing a religion that believed that by human achievement, you could get and earn God's favor. And the worst part was, is as they were doing this, people were following them. So Jesus goes in and he says to the people, you've turned my father's house into a marketplace and my father's house is to be a house of prayer. You see, when people could go into this place, into this temple, they could buy forgiveness of sins. They were getting cheated. All of these things were happening that were taking the people down this path of believing that human human achievement was the way that you, you got into heaven and God, or excuse me, Jesus was telling them, no, that's not the way it happens. That happened early on. You also then remember that just before Jesus went to the cross, he did the same thing, didn't he? Why did he go twice? You know why, don't you? Because they didn't learn the lesson the first time. And here's the sad news. They didn't learn the second lesson either. Just before Jesus went to the cross, he went in there once again, and he said, you cannot do this. My father's house is a house of prayer. And what Jesus was about to show them was, I'm the only reason, I'm the only path that's going to get you to my father's house but the people didn't believe him. And so you know what happened, remember? In 70 AD, what happened? The Roman Empire came in and they destroyed the entire city of Jerusalem and the temple was torn down. The Bible tells us there wasn't one stone left on top of the other, remember? All right, let's go back now to the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus now comes to the people and he's basically saying to them, you all are living the wrong way. You're living by human achievement. And then he goes after them, and he tells them where they're making the mistakes. And he says this to them. He goes, my father does not accept your ceremonies, your traditions. He does not accept your worship. He does not accept your prayers. And he will not accept even the way you give. You know why? Because you think that by doing the things that you're doing, that's how you're going to earn his favor. 
You remember the apostle Paul was a Pharisee. Remember that? Remember he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. So let me tell you a little bit about how the people were divided. There were the Pharisees. These were the leaders of the church. These were the ones who were based on traditions and everything. In fact, they added laws just to make everything harder for the people. And then there were the Sadducees. They were also part of the leadership group called the Sanhedrin. We call them Sadducees because they didn't believe in the resurrection, so they were sad. You see? Get it? Okay? Then there was another group called the Essenes. And the Essenes believed that the true religion was is you just separated yourself from everybody else and you went and lived all by yourself. And then there was more and more group. It was the fourth group. It was called the Zealots. These were the political radicals who wanted to fight everybody. All of these people believed that it was by human achievement that that's how you got in God's good graces. And Jesus says, no, that's not how you do it. Now look at how Paul says here. Since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Okay, now, please don't miss this, okay? The people in that day thought that God was less righteous than he was, which caused them to believe that they were a little bit more righteous than they were. And so they believed, you know how I can get to heaven? If I do A, B, C, and D, then God will like me. Now listen to me very, very carefully, people. That's the lie of false religion. It's the lie of false religion. Here's how I can best explain it to you. I remember when I was younger, and I would do something wrong, okay? I would sin against God. And I remember in those days, I learned from an early age that when I did something wrong, it wasn't just a little sin, it was rebellion against God. The Bible tells us is that in sin did my mother conceive me. Sin is not necessarily what I do, it's who I am. I am a sinner, and a sinner needs a savior. And so I would do something that I knew that I wasn't supposed to do, and after I would do it, then I would feel guilty. How many of you know what that feels like? Okay, there's about five or six of us, okay? Okay, but here's the thing, okay? I did something wrong, and then the conscience kicked in, and I felt guilty. Now, there was another voice that was talking to me at this time. I didn't recognize it at first. In fact, I thought it was my conscience. And this is what the voice said to me. You have done wrong. And now you have to, before you get back into God's good graces, you have to do some things so that God will like you again. Can anybody else relate to that? That's how I felt. I felt like I had disappointed God. And I was believing at that time that God's love for me was based on what I did. That's exactly what Jesus was talking about when he gave them the Sermon on the Mount. Here's what I want you to understand, people. God doesn't love you for what you do. He loves you for who you are. You are his children. And because you are his children, guess what? 
The Bible tells us there is nothing that can separate you from his love. Think about this. How many of you have kids? This is when I learned how to do it the right way. Can you imagine your child, your son, your daughter coming up to you and saying, after they've done wrong, Daddy, do you still like me? You ever experienced that before? That's how I was acting. And I realized this. That broke my heart. Wouldn't that break your heart if your child came to you and said that to you? What would you say to them? You would say to them, sweetheart, son, I don't love you because of what you do. I love you because who you are, you are my son. You are my daughter. And that's how the people were living in the day of Jesus when Jesus went after them. I want you to understand something, and I need you to hear this, okay? Jesus now begins to set the record straight. And I want you to look and see what he says here. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all kinds of evil things against you because you are my followers. Now, what's Jesus saying there? Here's what he's telling the people. He's saying to the people, you've got it all mixed up. You see, the only way that you can enter into the kingdom of God is this way. Number one is you've got to recognize your need for a Savior, your need for God. The second thing you need to do is you need to mourn your sin. The third thing you need to do is you need to humble yourself before Almighty God. And the last thing you need to do is you need to hunger and thirst for righteousness. That's what Jesus is telling them. So Jesus starts, first of all, with a heart issue. Then he moves on to the relationship between God and man, and then he goes on to the relationship with how we treat each other. That's what Jesus is telling us in the Sermon on the Mount, and he's very hard on these people. Here's what he says to them. You're spiritually bankrupt. You're hopeless He tells them that there's nothing that you can do to gain God's favor. Everything that you need is going to be found in me. That's what he says. And the people were just thinking, what in the world is this guy talking about? However, they loved what he had to say because they realized he spoke as one who spoke with authority. Did you know Jesus never had to say, the Bible says 
because he is and was the word. So here's what Jesus wanted the people to learn. God saved you by his grace when you believed. What's grace? Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace is a gift. Grace is something that was given to you that you didn't deserve, but because God loves you, he gave you grace. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It's a gift for God. Do you see what it says? You can't take credit for this. It goes on and says, salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. So here's what Jesus is saying, back to the Sermon on the Mount. He's now given the entire sermon, and now he says to the people, and what he's saying to us today is this. Listen, my dear friends, there are two paths. One of those paths leads to heaven, and the other path leads to hell. But then he tells us this. The path that leads to heaven that is of a false religion does not tell you it leads to hell. It tells you it leads to heaven, and that's the lie. Do you understand what I'm saying? All these different false religions will tell you it leads to the destination, which is heaven, and Jesus is telling the people that's the lie. I don't know of any religion that holds a sign up and says, this way to hell, right? There's no, hey, come to our church. We'll get you on the path to hell. We're all going, but we're going together. Nobody says that, right? Every religion says, we're going to heaven. But Jesus now tells him, ladies and gentlemen, that's not true. There's only one path. And then he says this. He says, y'all have to enter through the narrow gate. What does he mean by that? Enter through the narrow gate. Why go through the narrow gate? Jesus, have you ever been to Jerusalem? Do you know how many people are there? We all go through the widest gate. You know why? Because that's where everybody goes. We don't go through the narrow gate. Why? Because that's harder to get through. And that's Jesus' point. He says you have to go to the narrow gate because it is harder to go through. You know why? Because it means you have to die to self. And you have to pick up your cross daily and you have to follow him this morning, we had two baptisms. One of them is, a, is an incredible individual who had an experience on what I would probably say is his deathbed, and he had COVID. He lost his twin brother to COVID, and he prayed to Jesus, and he asked Jesus to save him, and Jesus did. And today, I baptized him. There was another little girl, her name was Shelby. Shelby was so excited we couldn't contain her up there. <laughs> when both of them entered into the water, out of obedience to God, I asked them, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And both of them said, with a smile, yes. And then I asked them the second question, 
And will you do your very best to follow him through the power of the Holy Spirit? What was I asking them? Will you do your best to die to self and live for Christ? Christians aren't supposed to live like the rest of the world. You know why? Because there's someone who lives inside of us who gave us a gift, and that gift changes the way we live our lives. We no longer live for self. We live for him. Now, Jesus wasn't done yet, and this is what I love about him. Just before he died, he went to his disciples, his closest friends, just like he does here today and just like he's doing to everyone who's watching online. And he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back so that you can be with me where I am. And then there's this dude named Thomas, one of the disciples, right? When I get to heaven, he's one of the guys I'm going to throw my arms around because he left no doubt for us. Jesus said, you know the way to the place where I'm going. And Thomas raised his hand and he goes, no, we don't know where we are. And then Jesus says, okay, here's how you get on the right path. Are you listening? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's one path to heaven and it's through Jesus Christ. It's not through human achievement. It's not through anything that you've ever done. It's a gift that God gave to all mankind, and all we have to simply do is receive it. That's it. But we always think that there's something that we have to do to feel so that we feel like we deserve it. And Jesus says, nope, it's a gift. I gave my life for you as a gift so that you can be with my Father in heaven and you can't boast about it. And so I just want to ask you this morning, and for those of you who are watching online, have you received that gift? Are you on the path that Jesus talked about, the narrow path that leads to heaven? If not, make that decision today. Recognize that there's nothing that you can do to get to heaven and receive the gift that God gave you simply because of one reason, because you're his child and he loves you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I don't understand your love. It is absolutely amazing. In all of those times in my life when I have been faithless, you have always been faithful, and for that I say thank you. Right now, Father, I'm thinking about that man or woman who's in this room or who's watching online. And Lord, the spirit of the living God has been tugging at their heart all through this message. And that spirit has just been whispering, it's time. God wants a response. What's your answer? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the gift of Jesus. And you have told us in your word that we need to repent of our sin and we need to receive the gift that God gave to us. It's nothing that we've done so that we can't boast about it. It's simply a gift. And today, 
I receive that gift. And I'm thankful that as I receive that gift that the Holy Spirit now takes up residence in my life. And now I begin my journey. But I begin my journey by dying to self because Jesus died on the cross for me. And I'm going to live my life for you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, don't leave without letting us know. And if you're online and you've prayed that prayer, I want you just to to text Jesus to us and we'll get in touch with you because there are steps that we want to help you with to make sure you stay on that path. I hope you've enjoyed this series. I can only imagine because I don't know about you, but I can't wait until the Lord Jesus calls me home.